0: I want to hop in real quick and take a second to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Dino Bars. Dino Bars are all organic fruit and vegetable bars that are wrapped in edible paper. Yes, you heard me right, edible paper made from potato starch. And what that means for you is that you can get all the benefits that come with a fruit and veggie forward bar without the mess. Insert praise hands here. But seriously, I was really skeptical about these bars. I thought they were going to be another kind of sticky, gooey mess that my littlest ones had trouble chewing. They're not like that at all. (laughs) The kids love them, but I love them too. Not only because they taste delicious, but they have simple, balanced ingredients that make for a great option for nutrition on the go. Click the link in the description box below and use code Alyssa10. That's A-L-Y-S-S-A, the number 10 for 10% off. And don't you dare get a pack without my absolute favorite flavor, purple sweet potato raspberry. Okay, now back to the show. Oh my goodness, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast. I feel like it's been forever. Do you feel that way? Because I don't know, maybe it's just a me thing, but with the holidays and then we traveled to California and I had podcast episodes go up and then some weeks I missed podcast episodes because we were sick and this season has been wild to say the least. And I know that I'm not alone. In fact, over on my Instagram at Nutrition for Littles, I've asked you guys how things are going. And so many of you are dealing with sickness right now, or you are traveling, or you're just coming down from the craziness that is the holidays. And we're starting a brand new, fresh, year and sometimes that just feels really good. And I wanted to take this opportunity for those of you who want to work on picky eating and kind of give you, I don't know, the 10,000 foot view or the first few steps or just something to dig your teeth into to start working on picky eating at home. If you're feeling really overwhelmed, if you're feeling stressed, if you feel like your little one isn't trying new foods or was once an adventurous eater and now eats hardly anything, then this podcast episode is for you. A lot of times the holidays or illness, which we're all going through both, comes with it, an excessive amount of pickiness, right? Their schedules are off, they're not seeing normal food that they see. There's people at the table that don't even recognize it potentially. There's new foods all around and they're staying up past bedtime or maybe they're not eating at all. They have no appetite. Maybe they're eating more snacks than normal. That's true of my kids. We just got home from a road trip and we had snacks like the whole way, right? <laughs> Plus before that it was Christmas and before that we were sick. So we are truly like Feeling like we're starting from scratch. And so maybe you feel the same way. So, we're gonna talk about the top tips or guidelines to put into practice right now. We're all gonna take a deep breath and kind of just start from scratch. I don't actually like the term detox, but in this case, I feel like it's appropriate that my kids need a screen and snack detox. And what that means is for the last few weeks, my kids have been able to ask for screen time and I give it to them. They've been asking for a snack and I give it to them. And everything has just like rolled into this big mess of me surviving and them knowing that I'm just surviving. And it's feeling like There's no structure and there's no plan. And sometimes that's okay. That's part of parenting. That's part of the childhood experience. And not just with snacks and screen times, but also with staying up late and going to bed early and maybe being sick and sleeping in your bed, or maybe you're sick and all you can do is cuddle them all day and watch Frozen a thousand times on repeat. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I just thought this episode was needed and a really great place to send people who are brand new to picky eating and don't exactly know where to go from here. So let's cycle back just a little bit and kind of look at where we're at. Do you have a picky eater? do you wonder if you have a picky eater? If so, I've got episodes on that. Scroll on back and see, you know, when to worry, what does pickiness mean, these sorts of things that I've already recorded episodes on. But maybe you're asking yourself, why is my kid picky? I had a baby that ate everything. And now all of a sudden, my little one is pickier than all get out. And I don't know What changed? Now, sometimes it's things that we did, sometimes it's not. In fact, there is strong research showing that some pickiness, majority of it, starts with a biological drive to avoid certain foods. Yes, that means that biologically, our kids may get picky. And this is because it's a survival mechanism that as soon as they're old enough to kind of toddle away from us around that age of two, They could get into serious trouble if they eat something poisonous or a choking hazard. And so it actually could be biological that they're choosing not to eat things, specifically new things. And they develop this new fear. The world just got really big in their eyes, and they're trying to figure out what's safe and what's not safe for them. Luckily, they have us and likely everything we're putting on their plate Is totally safe. Now we know that, but they don't know that. So just taking it back a little bit and realizing, okay, where did this pickiness set in? Why did it start? Where is it coming from? And not that we necessarily need to have all those answers, but just a good perspective of where we're at. The second thing that I want you to do is then set up a vision for where you want to go. What kind of eater do you want to raise? And I'm not necessarily talking about next week or even next year. I'm talking like, hey, what kind of adult do we want to raise around food? Now, this can feel a little overwhelming and I think it just might be part of my personality, but I am constantly thinking of like when I'm a grandma and what kind of kids and adult children I wanna raise. So much so that I need to like, slow down and focus on the present. It's really hard for me not to think of what I'm doing now and how that will impact them in the next year, five years, 10 years, 30 years. Maybe you're nothing like me, but I want you to take a second right now and think of what kind of adult you want to raise around food. For most of us, this likely means that we want to raise adventurous eaters who are interested in different cultures and different cuisines and different flavors and excited around food. We probably want to raise a healthy eater, one that eats a well-rounded diet and that food actually makes them feel good. We probably want to raise someone who is in tune with their hunger and their fullness and knowing what foods are going to make them feel good and satisfied and what foods maybe won't. We probably want to raise eater who doesn't have to be told by other people or programs what or how much to eat, right? And if we look back on our own lives and our own experiences around food, especially as children, I bet most of us could thread a thread through those years saying how I respond to food now is directly impacted by how I was parented around the table when I was a child. Now, it's not always cut and dry. There are a million different things that impact our relationship to food and our relationship to our bodies and what we choose to eat and why we choose to eat and and how much we choose to eat and all those things. There's so many factors, I couldn't even break them down here on this podcast, but it's just important to know that we do play an important role in how our child views and responds and chooses foods. So there are things we can control and the best of our ability, we want to control those things in a way that raises a healthy, happy, and independent eater, not just today or for next week, but for life. And that's really why I'm here. So I think that's a really important place to start is where we're at and where we're going. And now let's run through a few of the kind of fundamentals for helping our picky eaters become more adventurous. All right. The first one is to know your child and know yourself. What are your triggers? What are your stressors? What stresses you out? What excites you? What invigorates you? What brings you closer to connection with your little one? And then what's the same for them? Knowing those things is really important because it helps us set our boundaries. Every family's different, and I can give you all the advice and throw the book at you and tell you what the research says, But at the end of the day, you know your child best and you know your family dynamic best. What's best for you and your culture and your heritage and your family and your finances and your time and your energy is going to be different than the person down the street. And that's okay and that's encouraged. And what I like to do is educate you and give you all the information so that you can make the best choice for your family. I really encourage you to write down what your values are, what your priorities are, what's important to you, what feels good to you, When do you feel most connected to your kids and when do you feel least connected to your kids? And focus on that. From there, you can build your boundaries around the dinner table. So a lot of people ask me questions like, should I read a book to my kids while they're eating to keep them there longer, right? This is a question that literally just came in the other day. And what I want to say is there's no right or wrong. You get to decide what works for you and your family. However, what I will say is distraction at the table can oftentimes lead to pickiness because they're not focusing on the food. They're not experiencing the food. When we detach from the food, even in a small way, like reading a story, we're just not fully using all of our senses. And that's true for us too. If we're reading a book while we're trying to eat, we likely will look down and go, oh, I didn't even realize I finished the whole bowl of cereal or whatever it is. Now that doesn't mean don't read the book. What that means is that's the facts. That's what's on the table for most kids, not all kids. Now you get to decide what you do with that information. Maybe for you, this is the only time you can read to your kid and literacy is really important to you and your family. Maybe to you, this is your time that you study the Bible. That's what we do around the dinner table all the time and this is the best time that works for us. So it's okay if I give a little there to take a little here. Maybe for you, you want your children to stay at the table and connect and laugh and giggle, but you're not necessarily requiring them to eat, and that's okay too. Maybe for you, you really want them to fully experience the food, and picky eating is driving you mad, and you want to handle it and tackle it, and you can read after dinner and so you decide not to read the book at dinner. Now, all this isn't to say there's a right or wrong, it's just reminding you that you have your own values and your family has their own system that works best for them. And just because research points to something doesn't mean it's automatically right or wrong, it's just what the research has shown, which means that they were asked a specific question and that question was answered. Okay, the next thing I would recommend is to set up a meal and snack routine or rhythm as I like to call it. It's not perfect. I don't recommend necessarily timing everything perfectly. It's 1.37 and now it's snack time. What I recommend is falling into a rhythm that naturally fits you, your family, your obligations, again, your values and priorities. It's always gonna come back to that for me. So, figure out what's important to you and build your rhythm or your schedule around that. Likely you already have one that works in place, there just needs to be some small adjustments. For us, a value is sleep. So we build our meal and snack schedule or rhythm around our sleep schedule. And so sleep is a value of mine. I would prefer to get an extra 30, 45 minutes of sleep in than I would to eat a perfectly timed meal every day. So it's completely up to you. But setting that meal and snack schedule is so important for your little one to get some consistency and predictability. I have a really in-depth episode on creating a meal and snack schedule, so you can go ahead and scroll back. It's towards the beginning to listen to that on how to do this and what might make sense for you and your family. So the next tip or strategy I have for you is to know follow and honor the division of responsibility. You've likely heard me talk a lot about this. This is a principle coined by Ellen Satter who really discusses that there's different roles at the table for kids and there's different roles at the table for adults. And what I find is that nine times out of 10, pickiness is getting worse because either the parent or the child is trying to cross over into the other one's territory or their roles. So you've probably heard me say this before, but it's the idea of the parent provides, child decides. So at the table, the parent's role is to determine where, what, and when the child is presented with the opportunity to eat. And the child's role is to decide if they're going to eat from what's presented to them or what's offered and how much. Now, there's a lot of nuance here. Again, I have another podcast episode all the way back at the beginning, unpacking this even further. And of course there's in-depth information on this inside Table Talk with examples and how to implement this for you and your family. This is really the crux. This is a lot of where pickiness starts to go awry. We try to control how many bites they're taking, if they finish their plate, which of the foods they're eating when. Controlling all of that really can cause pickiness to get worse and or the child demanding to eat outside of a normal window or eating in a place that you have not designated to be an eating schedule or eating place all of these things can really fold up and kind of snowball if you will into picky eating all right the next tip or strategy that i have for you is to offer a variety of foods and along with that i will also slip in to never stop offering foods even if they've rejected it a million times Keeping your little ones on their toes and actually making change on their plate to be something that is almost never changing, if you will, that that's the thing that's stable and consistent is that their plate is always changing is really helpful in keeping our picky eaters used to having change and being surprised with new things and given new opportunities. And offering a variety can feel really overwhelming to us. To some of us, when we hear offering a variety, we think tonight is Japanese food and tomorrow night is Italian food and Thursday night is who knows what, right? Like everything different all the time. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. But if, for example, something that happens frequently in your home is, let's say, spaghetti and meatballs, maybe it's spaghetti and meatballs one week. And then the next week you have that meal, maybe it's spaghetti with meat sauce, or maybe one time it's a tomato vodka sauce. And so just a marinara sauce, <laughs> maybe one week it's you know, pork meatballs, and one week it's beef, and one week it's turkey, and one week it's chicken, and maybe there's small meatballs and big meatballs, and maybe one week there's spinach in there. All that is considered variety. So keeping the variety alive in your home, even if it's in a small way, and never stop offering foods, even if they've rejected it time and time again. Okay, the next one is to make things fun. And what I really wanna say here is focus on connection. Connection really does breed and foster an environment of safety and a place where they can try new things and say yes and say no and come back for things that they said they didn't like. And connecting with your child is so, so important. Now, I don't want you to read what I didn't say. I didn't say never make them upset. I didn't say never let them tantrum or be frustrated with different scenarios at the table. What I am saying is you hold loving and empathetic boundaries. You hear them. You validate them but you also have the things you're in charge of. And when you're putting those things into practice, have fun with it, invite them to it, let them be a part of it, let them see you trying new things, let them experience new things. Take the pressure off and find ways that you can just simply connect with your child. And I wouldn't always make it about the food, make it about their day, make it about their favorite stuffed animal, make it about how silly the noodles are acting and they kind of look like snakes in your plate. Or maybe you joke around about how the Parmesan cheese is actually like snow on top of your spaghetti and meatballs. Form connection, laugh with your child, get them to engage with the food and with you and make the table a place they want to come. Now, if you're already in a place where your kid does not like the table, of course, this can feel like a really uphill battle. But I promise you, if you focus on connection first, then the rest will come. Now, again, this doesn't mean that they get whatever they want, whenever they want it, and you avoid tantrums or meltdowns. Love doesn't always feel like love from their perspective, but what it does do is it creates an environment that they want to come to the table and they want to eat the food and they want to engage with you. Okay, and kind of our last tip is to model the behavior you want your child to have at the table. And this isn't just with not throwing food and using our utensils, although that's so important. It's also trying foods and getting out of your comfort zone and getting excited to cook with new things and enjoying mealtimes as well. Showing them that you can try foods that maybe aren't your favorite, modeling not eating that right now and trying it later modeling trying new foods right even for me mushrooms is something that i've been actively working on liking by the way i'm like practically there i can't do raw whole mushrooms like If they're not chopped up small, not my favorite, but I've been trying mushrooms and my son has been picking up on it. The other day he goes, mom, you've been cooking a lot with mushrooms, haven't you? And I just thought that was amazing because I'm modeling the behavior. I'm trying something new. I'm getting out of my comfort zone and he's picking up on that. Now, to be fair, he's six, so he's very able to do that. But even if they can't verbalize it, they see it too. So model that behavior you want your child to have. Sit with them eat with them, enjoy with them. All right, so that's all with kind of the official tips. But what I do want to say is that there is a way for you to overcome picky eating in your home. There is a way for you guys to enjoy meals together. And one of the best ways that you can do that if you're already struggling with pickiness in your home is to try to root out the cause of picky eating. Now, it's not always direct. It's not even always knowable completely, but finding certain reasons why your little one is picky and then kind of planning your uh, parenting strategies around that reason is so helpful. Getting to the root issue of picky eating and being able to dig that up and kind of tailor the way that you go about things can be the most important thing that you do to uproot and get rid of picky eating in your home. Now, I have an entire section on how to do this inside Table Talk and what some of the reasons are, but there's a good chance you might already instinctively know what's causing this picky eating, and then you can go about handling it that way. This may be one of the reasons why you don't feel like all the podcast information or Instagram information is helping, is because you're trying tactics that are really aimed at different type of picky eaters. So if you know your child and you can figure out what that root issue is, making a plan specific to them and what's happening inside their brain, what's happening inside their body, their experiences on the outside and the environment they're in, all of those things really can make a big difference on picky eating. Now, remember at the beginning of this episode, we talked all about the things that you do have control over. There are things, especially at the table, that we can do to set our children up for success. I hope this episode was a great place for you to start and get some ideas rolling to really help you with picky eating because I believe in families. I believe in raising strong families, and I believe that happens around the table. And I hate to see picky eating get in the way. And that's exactly what it does. It gets in the way of our connection, of our experiences, of our family. And I don't want that for you. So I hope this episode is really helpful. I hope you come back and reference it. I hope you go back and listen to episodes you may have missed here on the podcast. I hope you share this podcast with other mom friends who find it helpful. And I hope that if you need the next step, if you need to uproot and get rid of picky eating your home once and for all, I hope you take that next step, whether that's with Table Talk, my picky eating program or not, I hope you get it out of your home because it's... A freaking disease it really is i hate to say it but man it just grows and spreads and tangles and wraps so many different areas of your home life up in its nasty little tentacles and i'm not saying that they won't they'll like all foods in the whole wide world but it doesn't have to be this way where you don't know what to make you don't know what to serve you don't know how they're going to react you're walking on eggshells around the dinner table maybe even you're crying after bed because you're not sure they ate enough and you're worried about them it doesn't have to be that way. And I don't want that for you. So anyways, I hope you had some wonderful holidays. I hope you're not sick like the rest of us. I hope you are starting this year feeling hopeful and fresh. And I am thinking and praying for you and I will see you next week.